Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today, we're <laughs> celebrating Valentine's Day. And yay! Talking, yay! Talking about books focusing on female friendships, which I love. It is... This will be coming out the Friday before Valentine's Day. And so yes. Valentine's Day would be Saturday, the 13th. Yes. Which I think this originally started on Parks and Rec, right? I, don't I think, think so. Yeah, I think it's an idea that came from that show where it was the main character, Leslie Nope, said, I feel like we need a day to celebrate female friendship as much as romantic uh, love. So I love that idea. I love that the world has just, or I don't know how much of the world, but the part of the world I know about has completely embraced it too. So it's it's neat that it's maybe 10 years old and it yeah. seems like everyone talks about it and, and yeah, it's just I've a thing that people do now. It. I feel like I see it everywhere. I mean, I yeah. feel like it's a legitimate, not legitimate, but you know what I mean? It's a thing that people, yeah, embraced. I, there's a, a bookstore I've talked about before that I follow. I, they have a podcast that I like and I um, noticed that they had a Galentine's Day box that you could order for yourself or a friend, and it had some cute little things in it and a book. And um, so, yeah, I think that it's it's a great celebration of something that I think sometimes we don't give enough credit to the yeah. power of the friendships in our lives. So I think and that's since a really we're two, we're female friends. We are female friends. It seems friends. perfect. Yes, for me, I would have automatically probably said let's do a romance podcast but I love that this was this was the direction that we went yeah That's yeah so fun do you have plans for Galentine's Day no because there's a pandemic and I so know. we can't do anything but actually I guess I guess I will see what my I will see a female friend on, on oh, Saturday now that I nice. think about it I I have one friend who I see pretty regularly and we both we both are quarantining so it's She's like my bubble, and mm. um, and she she and I do a CSA together too. And so <laughs> she's going to come over on on Saturday so we can cook a piece of meat that uh, she doesn't know how to cook on her own. So oh, wow. that's that's our Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh well, you so I don't have any Valentine's Day planned. It's supposed to be kind of a miserable weekend here. It's supposed to be cold and rainy all weekend, I think, and global pandemic i don't see any of my friends right now but right. um i i do a lot of share for valentine's day that jeremy and i just last night went through and decided what we were going to cook for our valentine's day dinner Ooh. and we are cooking from the cookbook that we discovered through this podcast that <laughs> okay. when we did our cookbook week we discovered that my career i think that's what it's called my yeah, korea yeah, yeah. and uh and so we're gonna make some more recipes out of that oh, and i'm nice. also going to try my hand at making creme brulee which i really <gasps> did not go with korean food but i just want to try it so oh it's so much fun yeah. oh do you have a torch to do it with uh jeremy does yes <gasps> so much fun i know so i i thought that was a fun thing to share that it, yeah you brought and there is a recipe that we made from that week it was a sort of a fried rice kind of thing it was it was called paella i think in the cookbook but we make that all the time we make it's a regular oh, awesome. part of our rotation it's a kimchi fried rice that we make all the time it's so good we've adapted it a little or jeremy makes it generally but uh, he's adapted it a bit from i think the official recipe based on yeah what we have in the house and things but it's really good that i that cookbook's a good one nice yeah that sounds awesome korean yeah. valentine's day sounds <laughs> the greatest of all ways to show love. I know, right? So yeah. I'm excited about that. But yeah, we'll have to think about if there's any little fun thing I could do on Valentine's Day, even though I can't see my girlfriend, see if there's any. You could make waffles. That's the official food of, yes, of that is Valentine's true. Day. Well, I made cinnamon rolls two weeks ago, and it was the recipe made many, many more than we could eat. So I, I froze some, and so the mm -hmm. idea was we would have those again this weekend. Oh, but, that's smart. Um, Ooh, put waffles. them in a waffle maker and see what happens. Oh, that's an interesting idea. <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. I could try it. Maybe good. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, so yes, today we're going to be talking about books that, uh, well, at least I did. I don't know, Anne, you can say whether you did. I, I tried to pick books where the friendship was the main focus of the book because as I was thinking about it, I thought there are a lot of books where there's a great element of female friendship that's part of it but I tried to 
focus on the ones where that was kind of the central story because I, have you watched Bridgerton Anne? have we talked about this? oh yes okay so I just watched it I just finished it up the other day and Eloise and Penelope's friendship yeah, yeah, on yeah. Bridgerton is so great that's and so the that, star yes and so that um <laughs> so that would be an example of something like that where it's it's definitely a part of the story but the main story is right. The, it's the for romance. me. It was the unintentional star, of, right? Of right. Yeah, I, I loved, loved it. it so oh, much. I loved Eloise. She's one of my favorites. She's one of my favorites from the books too. Oh, good. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that book yet. I, I'm yeah. only two in, so yeah. I'll get there. Anyway, um, all right. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think that I picked anything where it's. I guess some of them. I think it, it depends. From I picked all books where to me the the friendship was the thing that made me remember that book, but not a. One of them, I think, is technically just a romance, but to me, the friendship was the the thing that I cared about. So that's what I'm talking about with it. So, oh, well, um, so maybe that's it's valid. not completely that's in valid. line with you. But well, neither- and I'm realizing I have one that. No, I'm sticking to it. I feel like it's the. I feel like it's the main. <laughs> I do feel like it's the main point of each of my books. So yeah, cool. and and we didn't do my brilliant friend for any of these, right? You didn't pick that. No. Yeah. No. That's the 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 book everyone goes to with yeah the female friendships yeah yeah but I think everyone just knows it so we don't need to we don't need regurgitate that for everyone well and I've only read the first one of those I haven't read beyond the first me too but I have the second one on my on my uh, I have it checked out from the library right now because I want Mm -hmm. to read it and then watch the the second season of the show yeah yeah I really liked it so um, but I just haven't gotten to it yet too many books too Too many books yeah. Uh, All right, well, let's go ahead, and why don't you do your first one? Okay. Uh, My first book is The Milk Lady of Bangalore by Shobha Narayan, and I will say that I I thought this was a novel, and it is not. So I just randomly got it from work, and I decided to read it for the podcast because I had it on my shelf, and I, I just, it's short, and I thought, well, that'll be fun to read something new, and... I started it and I realized it's a memoir and so that was a, a funny surprise but not a bad surprise but it, it threw me a little bit for a loop at the beginning so um, so the author is a journalist and she was born and raised in India but she lived in the US for years like like 20 years I think and she decides she and her husband who's also a native-born Indian decide to move back to India with her two two children and they settle in a high-rise um, apartment in Bangalore and um, I guess that's the the high tech center of India. So that's her husband's industry. So that's why they decide to settle there. And as they're moving in, the elevator door opens and there's a cow wedged into the the elevator. (laughs) And it's just kind of hanging out there. And so with, with a woman who's, who's the owner. And so she explains that it's, she's bringing it up to another apartment to bless their housewarming celebration. And so the cow is going to be led in and walk through the apartment and that will ensure good fortune to the family. And it's just this really comical, um, scene because the floors in the, that apartment are all are all marble and so they have to put newspaper down every place so the, the cow can actually walk without sliding around so so Shoba sees this and just thinks this is really fun and so she asks the owner to walk her, through her new apartment too and she finds out that this woman sells milk on the street every day in front of their apartment building and so um, there's just this this kind of fascinating juxtaposition of old India and new India that uh, Shoba can't really get enough about and she's also really curious about unpasteurized milk and so she um, she she's very drawn to holistic and alternative medicines and so she she just really wants to delve into traditional Indian beliefs on on milk and um, the the role that it plays in the culture so she uh, decides to go down and talk to this woman who's named Sarala and they just start talking about milk and cows and um, build this friendship based on that and so they so eventually Shoba starts buying milk every day and it just becomes this part friendship and part patronage and part sort of grift <laughs> <laughs> and oh Sarala is very open that she's always looking for money and she's completely willing to use their relationship to get money but it's it's open so it's not really grift I, I think mm-hmm. but um, she lives in poverty with this this 
large extended family and she supports all of them through the, her milk business and so if anything happens to her car her, her cows she could lose everything and something does end up happening so Sarala ropes Shoba into this plan to buy a new cow and they are going to travel all over their region looking for the perfect cow because now Shoba is completely invested emotionally in Sarala's business and in her herd and it's just very charmingly written because Shoba is aware of the absurdities of this relationship and of her new life generally in India. And it's sort of a different take than I've seen of the kind of newcomer to a, a culture because it is her culture, but she's been out of it for such a long time that she's able to come into it and be uh, an insider and an outsider simultaneously. That makes it really interesting. and. And then you have this sweet friendship that, with these two women who really should have nothing in common, but they find something to bond over through this animal. And it, it really shows that friendships can come from anything and, and be based on, on whatever works for you. So um, it's just, it was so charming. I read it this past weekend and it's, it's just a delight. And it's called The Milk Lady of Bangalore by Shoba Narayan. That sounds lovely. It's so much fun. Yeah. I, was, I was really charmed by this. My first one, I, so <laughs> I will warn everybody, I don't have any light books this week. I don't have any <laughs> charming, sweet books. I'm just going to lay it out there from the beginning. But you know I love a bittersweet story. That's your uh, trademark. I know. All right. So my first one is The Girls of Corona Del Mar by Rufy Thorpe. And uh, it's a book about two girls who are high school best friends. Their names are Lorianne and Mia. And they seem like complete opposites in pretty much every way. Uh, Mia lives in a household where her mother is an alcoholic. So she spends a lot of her time, Mia does spend a lot of her time caring for her younger brothers and making sure they stay out of trouble. They're kind of troublemakers. And um, she's sort of seen as maybe old old beyond her years in a kind of sexual way Mia is and so she um, is a bit more experienced than Lorianne and then Lorianne seems like she has a pretty perfect life um, from all appearances she has a lot a great family and they're very supportive and she's kind of like the good girl uh, and Mia's kind of the bad influence kind of thing uh, but they're they're good friends they, they they don't see themselves necessarily that way although Mia does covet Lorianne's life a little bit. She always wishes that she could have that sort of family uh, and and has slotted them into these roles a little bit in her head about Lorianne being the good girl and Mia being the bad influence. Uh, but soon after graduation, Lorianne's father dies. And at that point, fate seems to take a bit of a turn for the two girls. Uh, Lorianne gets pregnant and uh, marries her high school boyfriend who ends up joining the military and um, dying when he is over in Iraq, I think. Um, and then their son ends up, I think because she has a very difficult birth. I'm sorry, I read this a while ago, so I'm trying to, to remember <laughs> details, but he ends up disabled. And I think it's because there's something that happens during the birth that he ends up disabled. So she has kind of a a hard life. I mean, she's grieving the loss of her father. She's now a single mother and didn't expect to be and, and um, ends up turning to drugs to try to cope with her life. Meanwhile, Mia has gone off and attended Yale and um, successfully graduates from there, decides to pursue a career as um, in academia. And she ends up going to uh, Istanbul as a classic scholar. She has this wonderful supportive boyfriend and she has this pretty cool job and, and so their their lives suddenly have, have really flipped and they've lost touch with each other a little bit. They've tried to reconnect a few times over the years and it's never really worked uh, and then one day Lorianne shows up on Mia's doorstep. Her, her child has been taken in by social services um, into foster care because, Mia, because she's been seen as an unfit mother because of her, her drug abuse. And so Mia's pretty flabbergasted to see how things change, uh, how things have changed. And the whole book is told from Mia's perspective. So you see the way things that played out in in Mia's mind, then when Lorianne shows back up in her life and they start kind of talking and, and 
thinking through things that happen, it's, it becomes apparent that maybe that's not actually the way it truly was that Mia saw this like huge difference between her life and Lorianne's life. Um, but it just, I felt like it ha- had a lot to offer about how a friendship that starts in childhood and then morphs as people get older, um, those bonds really stick with people. I think the friendships that people make as they're younger can often be long-term friendships because that's sort of when you're growing into who you're going to become when you're in high school and in young adulthood. Uh, so it's this book is just so, I mean, it's all about the two of them, basically. It's all about the two of them and their friendship and the choices they've made. And then it's also ultimately, I think, about making peace with those choices and then also making peace with the the friends that you have in your life that see you kind of through all those changes. Mm-hmm. So again, very bittersweet. It's not necessarily a, a, a light story, but there is a bit of humor to it. Mia's a, I found Mia to be a very likable character. And so because it's from her perspective, uh, she has kind of a funny way of observing things and talking about things. So it's not, it's not super heavy. Um, but it doesn't have that charming lightness like your first book did. So that is uh, The Girls of Corona Del Mar by Rufy Thorpe. I love I love stories like that where it, it, I know that you're not saying it's like one perspective and then you switch mm-hmm. to a different perspective yeah. and see something different. But I love mm-hmm. I love examining that yeah. concept in books. Mm-hmm. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I thought it was really it was it's it's a book. I, like I said, I read it a long time ago. So some of the details uh I had to I was a little rusty on obviously but it's a book that has stuck with me as one that I thought about certain aspects of it long long after I've read it and thought wow that I need to read more from her I've never gone back and read anything else by her Uh, but I really remember being impressed by that book awesome that sounds good Um, okay up next is Stealing Home by Cheryl Woods and this is a giant author that I've, I've never read. <laughs> um, and so I picked it up because I saw that there's a show on Netflix called Sweet Magnolias that's based on this book. And it just seemed like gentle pandemic watching that I, I've been craving right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow this book broke my brain and I completely gobbled it up in like <laughs> a day. So <laughs> this was unexpected to me. So it's about three best friends who grow up together in a, a fictional town called Serenity, South Carolina. And it's supposed to be about 20 miles from Charleston. Um, so I don't really understand how that would work geographically, but <laughs> um, having lived in that area, but it's, I, you and I have both lived in that area. And so it's, it's kind of easy to picture places mm-hmm. that are very familiar to me so um they're the three of them were were called the sweet magnolias as a, a group um name in high school and they're now adults in their early 40s and so this book focuses on on one of the women named maddie townsend and then i've seen that subsequent books focus on different groups or different members of the group and then it kind of goes on to other people in town um throughout the series so so in this book it's about maddie and she um her husband of 20 years is divorcing her at the start of the book after having an affair with a nurse at his medical practice and she has is now pregnant and so um, he's marrying her instead so she doesn't know what to do she has three kids and she has no job and so her best friends Helen and Dana Sue have this idea that they've sort of been stewing on and this um this event in Maddie's life is the catalyst to make it happen that they they decide they want to open a day spa together and Helen is a lawyer and um has purchased a historic home that needs renovation and she's sort of the money behind this and Dana Sue is a chef with a restaurant in town that is going to supply um sort of a satellite cafe to the spa but they just need Maddie to manage the whole thing so she she has the skills because of her uh, background before she got married and um, really put all of those skills into building her husband's practice but she doesn't have the confidence and she hasn't had a job since she was married so this is really um, the only thing that's available to, available to her right now so um, Helen and Dana Sue specifically want to do this to to help Maddie get back on her feet so at the same time uh, Maddie's oldest son is a star baseball pitcher on the high school team but he's really struggling with this divorce and um, the anger that he has toward his father for the way he's behaved and so his coach Cal Maddox reaches out to Maddie to uh, try to find ways to help him and so they work together 
um, but they're sometimes at odds with Maddie's ex-husband Bill, but they're growing closer and uh, starting to develop a relationship, but um, they're in this very gossipy small town, so it's not going to be easy to, to get together in that way. So technically this is a romance novel based on the the um, uh, requirements of romance mm-hmm. novels, but to me, I read it more as a, a women's relationship book mm-hmm. because the friendship was what stood out to me in this, and um, this this sort of group of, of the Sweet Magnolias is, is really supportive of each other, and they basically give Maddie a new lease on life after she's had everything taken from her, and you read it, this really feeling like there's a shared history here, which I don't think is always the case with, with women's uh, relationship books in, in ways that feel convincing to me, or um, sometimes they're more contrived, and I really felt like Cheryl Woods did a great job of writing everyone fairly in this book so that mm. they felt like real people and, and had real responses. So um, even Noreen, the the uh, woman that uh, Bill cheats with, she's written pretty sympathetically and she doesn't have that sort of homewrecking caricature that you sort of would expect from mm-hmm. from other books that are like that. So I just, I, I was so shocked by how much I enjoyed this. I uh, sort of just thought, eh, this is something I, I always, if I watch a show, I always am kind of curious about the book. And so I yeah. just picked it up. But um, after I, I finished reading this, I usually, usually when I, when I finish a book, I don't want to go right on to the next book. And as soon as I um, finished this, I, I put it down, I picked up my phone and requested the next one. because oh, nice. I was just so charmed by this this friendship that it shows so that is stealing home by cheryl woods yeah actually i can think of a few different romances that i've talked plenty of times about how often in romance when there's a series or a trilogy it follows people that are connected to each other and often it's a friend group and i think that's i really like that i think generally it's either a family or a friend Sometimes it's family members like Bridgerton, uh, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's a friend group. And I think that there are several authors that I've I've read and really liked. And that's a huge element of why I keep reading the series. Is of course I like romance, but the friendships are really right. Why I, I enjoy it. You get to know the characters, and it's fun. And then in the next book, you'll see those same people, and now you'll see the first heroine and the hero together. And yeah, right. it's fun. Yeah, I I really. I don't know. My brain, my brain just needed that. Right yeah. And so it's yeah. great. All right. Well, my next one is The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker. And I have talked about this book before on the podcast, but I checked. It's been five years since I've talked about it. <laughs> and I only talked about it, I think, in a, pre- a preview episode. I don't know that I actually ever talked about it after having read it. So I feel like it's fair game at this point. Yes. Uh, so I an, give it my approval. Thank you. All right. Uh, so this is another one about two women who become friends as teenagers, and then it follows them into into adulthood. But in this case, the main characters are uh, Sharon and Mel, and they meet in college in an art class. They're both very talented artists, and Mel is outgoing and confident, and Sharon is shy and kind of lonely at school. Uh, but they immediately bond. They just have this immediate. Thing where they click as friends and that friendship turns into um, working together they sort of naturally decide to start creating things together and the the Mel I think it's Mel opens up uh, Sharon to this particular style of animation and comics and um, and so they end up kind of gravitating towards that and creating that um, and they, they're they very, like I said, very talented. They're very good at it. But I think that's a really hard career to be hugely successful in. So they're yeah. they're getting by. They, they have a good reputation. They have, after college, they're able to do some small projects. They're doing things like short cartoons. And they are, they'll illustrate um, advertisements and things like that. So the book follows them as they they transition from college into young adulthood and, and follows them through about 10 years after they've met. So now they're mid to late 20s. And uh, they decide that sort of they have this burst of inspiration and um, 
Sharon makes a, a storyboard based on Mel's life. Mel's had kind of a dramatic life. And so she makes a storyboard based on her life and they decide that they're going to turn it into a feature film. And they do. And it gets a lot of acclaim and it, it earns them this very, very prestigious grant that is well known in the universe of uh, the art world and illustration. And so they're they're excited. They think this kind of sets them up for success, and and the next phase of their life is just going to be um, to take off from there into really wonderful opportunities to to create on their own terms and and explore the the opportunities that they want versus being reliant on getting these jobs to do car, um, commercials and things like that. But then tragedy strikes, and I don't want to say what it is because that's part of what happens um, that you that you need to have <laughs> unveiled for you if you are reading. And the fu- future, their future together becomes far less certain. Um, so what, one of the reasons I like the book is that you see the way the partnership as business partners or professional partners doesn't always feel equal to either of them, but for different reasons. So they want to preserve their friendship. They feel like that's the most important thing, but they want to balance the business aspects with the personal aspects of their lives. And that becomes really difficult. And then this tragedy strikes and all of a sudden it kind of like implodes. Um, And what I liked about it, and I'm trying to be very vague, I'm sure you could tell, but (laughs) what I liked about it was the book did not go in the direction I expected it to based on sort of how it sets it up at the beginning, I would say. So I I had this expectation about imagining it. Was, and I've read other books like this where um, The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer comes to mind, where they it follows friends who have these big aspirations and then you see them in adulthood. And, and for some people, it hasn't turned out the way they wanted it to. And for others, they've become a huge success. So that's sort of where I thought the story was going to go, that that maybe one person became more of a success than the other one or something like that. And that's not where it goes at all. Um, and it's so much more about their friendship and what, how that love you have for a friend is just as powerful and important as the love you have for a romantic partner or mm-hmm. a family member. And it, it's just as valid, you know, a found family can be just as valid as a family that you're born into. Uh, and I, I thought that this book really showed this and how the, those relationships can sustain you at times when your other relationships are falling apart. Um, it was just a really compelling story. The characters were really compelling. Uh, there, like I said, it went in directions I didn't expect it to. And it's really, truly about the way the friendships the friendship between the two people is just so much more complicated. It's not a simple, it has layers to it. it yeah. It, it, that it's, it's not like, it's like any sort of loving relationship. It's you can love somebody and not always like their choices. You can love somebody and get frustrated with them. You can love somebody and maybe not want to spend all of your time with them, working with them and um, living with them and, and different things. So uh, it was it was really wonderful. In fact, today, so like I said, I read this about five years ago. And so today I thought, wait, what has she written anything else since then? Uh, she has not, sadly. She's written plenty oh. of other things, actually, but no other novels. She's, yeah. It seems like she's written a lot of uh, nonfiction articles and things. Uh, so that is The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker. You've sold that very well. Oh, Sounds really cool. All right, what's your last one? Last is Codename Verity by oh. Elizabeth Wien, um, a, a favorite of both of ours, I think. And uh, this is YA, but it's pretty dark. Um, so there's no reason for adults to not get completely on board with this book mm-hmm. or, or think that it's not for them. Um, it takes place in World War II, and it's about two British girls who are invo- involved in the war effort. And I actually am not going to say very much about <laughs> the book because a big so much of the book is based on narrative structure mm-hmm. and how information is sort of teased out in different ways. Um, and so I, I don't want to give away anything by, by saying too much. Um, but it, 
you know from the beginning that you're reading a written confession of a British spy named Verity, and mm-hmm. she's been captured by the Gestapo after a, a plane that was flown by a female pilot named Maddie crashes. And these two, these two women, um, Verity and Maddie, are best friends, and they grew up together, but after the crash... Verity leaves Maddie in the wreckage and you don't know why there's there's a reason but you don't know why mm-hmm. so um, now Verity has to supply the Germans with details of Maddie's British Air Force mission or she's going to be killed so she's basically telling Maddie's story for her and, and the story of their friendship and it becomes um, this this confession becomes a record of their friendship and the regrets that Verity has about it and the efforts that she's sort of uh, doing to be underhanded to the Nazis and to be subversive to Mm -hmm. them and her own personal struggle to stay courageous in the face of evil when she feels like a failure for for what has happened with Maddie. Um, And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I don't don't want to do too much with that. Yeah, I can't say too much about it. Yeah, it's just, it's one of my favorite books. It's amazing. The female friendship in this book is just just so beautiful there's they're they have this sisterly bond that is probably i don't know it may it may be it's at least top five female friendships or Mm -hmm. friendships that i've read in in fiction um and it's it's also just a really powerful reminder of how much ordinary people of all ages sacrificed during world war ii and they they became heroes and it's really great to see young women shown in that light Mm -hmm. and, and the way that they support each other and um and work together and and you know face the greatest evil mm-hmm. that's that's ever happened so mm-hmm. it's it's pretty amazing so that is codename verity by elizabeth ween that's so good have I we never talked it. about that on the on what's the show? that have we never talked yes. about that oh okay. yeah but it's probably been five years yeah okay all right all right no that's we were... fine i just was sitting here like yeah. have, how have we gone this long and never talked about codename yeah verity? no we we i don't remember if I read it for the podcast, or I don't think so I good. did, but I, I read it, um, you know, a, a long time ago and, and then talked about it. But it um, and then I haven't written her or I haven't read her her follow up uh, book like the the others in the series. No, because me neither. They're, they're kind of uh, tangentially. Yeah, I think maybe I read the one. second one, whatever the second one was. But the I don't think I read Rose, Rose in... Under Rose Under Fire. Fire? I can see it yeah. right now on my shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so my last one is A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hosseini. And I know this was a huge, huge book when it came out. But I also know that there are probably people who missed it the first time around because it's, gosh, almost 15 years old now is my guess. Is it really? I think maybe. Wow. I feel like it had to have come out before 2010. So I think you're right, but that just seems wrong in my my brain. But you know, we've talked about this before. Sometimes there are books that just because of your phase in life, you don't have a chance to pick up or maybe you weren't into reading then and you are now or maybe you were younger then and you weren't reading these kind of books, whatever it is. So I thought I would still talk about it. Uh, It is, this was his second book. So The Kite Runner was his first book and this was his second one. And it's about, so it's covers basically 30 years it's set in Afghanistan, and it starts with the character of Mariam, I think is how you would say her name, who is the illegitimate, illegitimate daughter of a wealthy businessman and a maid. So they had a dalliance, and the businessman wants nothing to do with the maid or his illegitimate I think children. I think there are two of them, but Mariam is definitely uh, one of them. And so he just leaves them I mean there's just there's no no support there at all he's just he has his own life he's married he's not interested um and then her mother ends up dying by suicide because she is so distraught about the fact that they've been left with nothing and she has children to raise and so Mariam uh has had this very hard life at a very young age and she ends up getting married off to a much older man when she is 15 years old. I think he's in his forties and his name is Rashid and he is an extremely cruel man and Mariam lives in fear of him, but she has no recourse. She has no way out. She has nothing. So she just tries to get by and, and 
do as he says. And he's very conservative and he's very restrictive about what she can do. So this is this is in the 70s, I believe, when this is happening. So at the time in Afghanistan, women were starting to get more privileges and rights and they were able to go out without their faces covered and things like that. But he was still very much saying, no, you can't do that. And another, so she's scared of him. And then she also keeps having miscarriages. And so she is concerned because she doesn't want to do anything to make him mad. And all he is now going to, he's blaming her that, that they can't have children. There's no heir for him. So then the story switches to Layla. She's a young girl who is smart and independent. She has a loving family, uh, very supportive parents, pretty much the polar opposite. And she's a neighbor of uh, Rashid and Mariam's. And one day, and she, oh, and her, she is in love with a young boy who I believe also lives in the neighborhood. Uh, one day, though, her parents are killed by uh, some sort of unrest that is happening. And the boy that she is in love with, his family flees because of all of this uh, violence and chaos that is happening. And so Layla quickly realizes that she has no options. She has no, her parents are gone and her choices are pretty much to starve or um, become a prostitute. Like she has, she has very little options as a a teenage girl. Uh, So she ends up basically offering herself up to Rashid as his second wife because that's her only option. So you would think now she has come into this household and Mariam is the original wife and Layla is this new young wife. Uh, And you'd think that they would view each other as adversaries, but they actually form a really strong alliance with each other and a bond with each other because they are both being inflicted with the cruelty that their husband is... Um, perpetrating on them and so they try to protect each other from him they try to do what they can to keep each other out of his way and they try to escape they try to plan on how to escape so it sounds like it's a rather bleak story but I actually thought it was really beautiful too the relationship between the two women is is so beautifully rendered and it's really touching. Again, I you know all the things of I love in a story, um, but it's just it's heart wrenching and it's it's just lovely. I was really really impressed with the way Khaled Hosseini, who is a man, writes about women in such an insightful way. Sometimes I feel like it can be a little bit jarring when a man writes about a woman and mm-hmm. her thoughts and feelings. And, and in this way, it just really felt like he captured these two women very well and as distinct people they had their personalities and their backgrounds really formed kind of how they are who they are and how they respond to the situations that they're in Uh, and they they form this really wonderful friendship and um, like I said they try they do everything in their power to protect each other so that is A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hosseini that I'm I'm in that group of people who missed it because of whatever mm-hmm. was going on in my life so I, I need to get back to that because yeah. it sounds really good have you read the kite runner no same yeah. deal yeah I think yeah, I was yeah. in college when it came out and so yeah I just have have I, I need to do a year where I read all the um like standard right popular fiction yeah. texts I, I missed well it'd be interesting um, to see how they hold up too I'd be curious yeah. about those I mean this I think I think this would hold up. I, that's why I'm recommending it. But there are certain, if you, so if I went back to the time when I was in college, that was in the 90s. And I wonder if the popular books at the time, if I read them now and I thought, oh, I don't yeah. know, what was the big deal? I don't know. Or if I think, oh my gosh, this is a treasure. I can't believe it took me so long to read it. So Let's, uh, let's do a book club of The Secret and see how it holds up. Oh, I read The Secret at the time. Did you really? I did. It was all the rage. It was everywhere. It was I had to rage. read it. I had, and it was a short book. It was pretty slim. It was very annoying. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if anybody, I, you know, I do actually believe in kind of like putting good out into the universe. So it's not that right, it was right, just, right. it was, I don't know. They, they were making claims about what you could do if you attracted good things and it right. was wealth and love and it was just everything you could imagine was the secret so 
maybe maybe not the things that you're supposed to try right. to attract. Right, right, exactly, exactly. If yeah. you're uh, putting good into the world. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a little bit. I think it probably came from a good intention, but I think it was warped into something that maybe it shouldn't have been. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, we'll be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? I am reading My Lady's Choosing by Kitty Curran and Larissa uh, Zagaris, I think is, is how you pronounce her last name. And this is a choose-your-own-adventure Regency romance novel, which is oh, wow. such a fun idea. Yeah. Uh, so it's written in second person. So you are the main character, and mm. you're a poor but spirited lady's companion to an ill-tempered uh, rich woman who treats you terribly. And you go with her to a ball and you meet a beautiful and confident woman named Lady Evangeline who introduces you to various men. So you can choose between um, engaging in witty banter with uh, Sir Benedict Granville, who's a kind of Mr. Darcy stand in, Mm -hmm. um, or there's a good good natured Highlander named uh, Captain Angus McTavert. And so for for Outlander fans, you have that, that route. Um, and then there's the brooding and dangerous Lord Garraway Craven, who is very um, Lord Byron. Uh, or instead, you can become the traveling companion, and I'm doing traveling companion in quotes, to Lady Evangeline herself. So um, so anything goes in, in this book. So I picked Benedict Granville, and the story sort of intertwines with others at, at various times. So you, you come into contact with, with these other characters in, in ways that make it interesting. And it's just full of all the typical tropes. So there are lost inheritances and illegitimate children and things of that nature. And um, so far, I've been able, you can, you can choose between following a plot or sort of deciding for more intimate scenes ah. <laughs> so so you can just go different directions depending on what you're interested in so it's a very clever idea um and that is my lady's choosing by kitty Curran and larissa zagaris that sounds delightful so do, yeah. do you when you do a choose your own adventure book do you like do you go back and look to see what the other options where they would have taken you or do you just stick with your path and that's it no well because it feels like you're not getting your your money's worth i mean i I got this from a publisher so i didn't spend any money on it but but typically like when i would do them as kids too i always wanted why like why would i spend the or get get the book and then and then not read most of the book so um so i marked pages where you have a choice so then I can go back okay. after I get to an end. Okay. And I don't know if any of these will end with death, though, which is pretty common in regular choose-your-own-adventure. Choose yes, but not so. common in a romance. So Right. Yeah. So we'll see. I am not. I don't know if they all are happy endings. Huh. So You'll I, have to I, report back. Yeah, I did get to, to the end of one, and it just or, – or I think I've gotten to two endings, and they, they both were marriage. Hmm. So – also pretty common in romance, yes. It's a thing. It's a thing. Okay, so what I was reading this week, I actually just finished it, uh, was The Push by Ashley Audrain. And oh, this book, this book. I have to preface this by saying it is probably one of the most unsettling books I have ever read. Ooh, tell but, me more. <laughs> but it was, have you heard about this? Have you seen just this? Just through I feel you, like yeah. It's everywhere. I, I saw your post about it. Yeah. And I, and I looked into it more. And, yes. and it's one of those books where, um, you know how when you work with books a lot, you sort of read titles and they mm. become sort of meaningless to you yes. after a while? Um, I realized I knew more about it than I thought I had yes. from uh, my first encounter. I feel like I'm seeing it a lot of places. And so I was glad to be able to pick it up before I heard too much about it because I think it's one of those where if it gets too much buzz or you hear too much about it and your expectations aren't in line with what you get, that could be a disappointment. So I, anyway, I'll just say that I found it extremely compelling and it had a grip on me from beginning to end. And I feel like it's a book that I'm going to remember for a long time. So I'll just say those things. It, it's interesting, actually, because it is also in second person. It is written as a woman explaining to her ex-husband her side of the story. So that's how it starts. I want to tell you my side of the story. So what I assumed was it was her explaining her side of why they got a divorce or went their separate ways. Because it's not... it's 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 pretty immediately apparent 
that it's her ex-husband, but I don't think it lays that out right off the bat. So you sort of have to get to the point where you realize, okay, he is he is off with somebody else now, and she is explaining her side of the story. But and it, it is that is when she says her side of the story. It is about their going their separate ways. But what it really comes down to, it's it's much more focused on her relationship with her daughter. She has a child that she never really felt a connection to from birth and has concern seems like too mild of a word. She is <laughs> convinced pretty much that her daughter is truly evil. She's purposely causes harm. She shows very little emotion. She is very manipulative. She does things just to get a reaction. She, again, purposely will do things to harm others. However, no one else other than the mother telling the story seems to see that about this girl. So as you're reading it, to me, part of what makes the book so compelling and so intriguing and something that will stick with me is that you're never quite sure where the truth lies partially because the mother in her own words as she's telling the story does some very odd things that make you feel like she's probably not an emotionally or mentally stable person and the way she tells the story it's because the it's a result of what her daughter has done. But as a reader, I think you're supposed to be wondering, is it not the daughter? Is it that the woman telling the story is maybe projecting all of this onto the daughter? Not that the woman is evil, but that the that the girl, is, the daughter is fine. It's just that this woman has this idea of her and nobody else sees it. So it's just interesting. And there's there are times where she kind of tries to connect with her daughter, and so you see glimpses of they that the, they could have kind of a good relationship, and and then it sort of will shift back to this bad relationship, and it's a it's a wild ride, man. It just takes you. <laughs> it just like I said, I read it and I thought this is a hard one to to truly recommend to somebody because some disturbing things happen in it that. I think would be upsetting for a sensitive reader uh, who who might not want to read about things that I don't want to spoil, but there are certain things that I think would be upsetting. But then at the same time, it's just a very, very compelling story. It's like a thriller, but in a way that's a very, just this tension is just threaded throughout the whole story. So that is The Push by Ashley Audrain. Well, I'm creeped out now. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> I mean, it was good. I don't. I don't know what else to say. It's. It's one of those books that. I think if you are, intrigued by my description of it, if you were to start it, and get about twenty five pages into it and weren't feeling it, I would just set it aside because. Yeah. It doesn't go to a place that's going to make you happy. <laughs> if if at the beginning you're not kind of hooked into it because you realize very early on when. The very first scene is you know that this woman is sitting outside of her ex-husband's house watching the family inside the house. Oh. And her daughter being one of the people inside the house. And so you just right off the bat, that unsettled sort of, wait, yeah. what's happening here? Kind of, again, like you're not quite sure. Is it is it the daughter? Is it the mother? What's what's happening here? Is it the, the, who is the person who's off is it you know so yeah um, it sounds like it sounds like a cross between baby teeth and we need um, to talk about kevin. we need to talk about kevin yep. yeah yeah it totally is it totally is the thing so i kept thinking about we need to talk about kevin and i thought the difference in when you need to talk about kevin is i think that was much clearer that he was he he had perpetrated a crime was the right. whole setup of that um and so this is a little less clear as right. you're reading, I would say. I'll say I believed I believed her as I was reading that the daughter was odd, but um, there are some things that she does that you're like, huh, 
<laughs> that's not really normal either. So it's just, it's, I don't know. It was good. It was good. It will, it will stick with me, I think. Yeah. I'm very intrigued. Yeah. It was a good one. All right. Well, I think that's it for us today. Happy Galentine's Day, Anne. Happy Galentine's Day. Thank you for being my Galentine. Thank you for being my Galentine. This was a good one. I like, I like talking about female friendship. That's nice yeah. to talk about. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back and list off all the books we talked about today. Okay. So I talked about The Milk Lady of Bangalore by Shoba Narayan, Stealing Home by Cheryl Woods, Codename Verity by Elizabeth Ween, and what I'm reading this week is My Lady's Choosing by Kitty Curran and Larissa Zagaris. And I talked about The Girls of Corona Del Mar by Rufy Thorpe, The Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker, a thousand, a thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hosseini. And what I was reading this week was The Push by A- Ashley Audrain. All right. If you would like to get in touch with us to give us <laughs> feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages at wellreadpodcast. We will love to interact with you at any of those spots. Uh, please rate and review us on whatever service you use to find podcasts. It helps people find the show, which we appreciate. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find a listing of every book we've talked about in this and every episode. Thank you all for listening. Happy reading and happy Valentine's Day. <laughs>